from the Alaska Airline Studio. Presented by 2020lifestyles.com. This is The Blitz. The first look at the top stories in Seattle sports. They don't like who I could. We're not like everybody else. The rundown on everything Seattle sports on your way to work. Swing and a fly ball. Deep right center field. He did it again. And the stories everyone is talking about. This is the Blitz at Six. Good morning, friends. Welcome to the Blitz at Six. Lydia Cruz alongside with you Thursday, April 16th. Hopefully, everybody had a great Jackie Robinson day yesterday. Saw a lot of incredible photos and sentiments out there celebrating. Uh, Of course, it would have been out on the field, everybody wearing 42, but instead just celebrating his legacy yesterday and Ken Griffey Jr., also a part of the honoring that in the uh, starting the tradition of everybody wearing those jerseys. So it was cool to see a video with him on MLB.com yesterday. Ahead in this hour, well, it might be possible to get sports back, but without fans. Dr. Anthony Fauci was on a recent interview talking about how he supports that plan. That's good for Major League Baseball, according to Jeff Passan, that They support this plan of playing in relative isolation, whether it's in Arizona or in Florida or split between the two. So we'll dig into that. Also, how is the NFL using this as an example? And uh, college sports are in the very unique position because they rely so much on those fans as part of their revenue for college football. So we'll discuss all ahead in this hour. Right now, let's get to your headlines. Dr. Anthony Fauci, the nation's top infectious disease experts, uh, one of the faces that you've seen around so much discussing coronavirus, he said the only way professional sports will happen this summer is by holding events without fans in attendance and by keeping players relatively isolated in hotels. He talked to Snapchat's Peter Hamby as part of a week-long interview series. There'll be a couple more parts released both today and tomorrow. But here was him discussing on if there was a way to play baseball. There's a way of doing that. Nobody comes to the stadium. Put them in big hotels, you know, wherever you want to play. Keep them very well surveilled, namely a, a surveillance, but have them tested like every week and make sure they don't wind up infecting each other or their family and just let them play the season out. I mean, people say, well, you know, you, you, you can't play without spectators. Well, I think you probably get enough buy-in from people who are dying to see a baseball game, particularly me. I'm living in Washington. We have the world champion, Washington Nationals. You know, I want to see them play again. Fauci is a baseball fan, but wants it to get back in a safe manner. Uh, specifically asked there the question about an abbreviated baseball season but also about the start of football. He also said he thought there would be enough interest from fans to watch games, even if they could not attend in person. Because at this point, no sports for just about a month now and people clamoring uh, to, to have those back. Major League Baseball and its players have been considering plans that would allow them to start the season in a single location, likely Arizona. That was the Jeff Passan report that we heard last week about uh, the proposed biosphere of sorts. 
Jeff Passan saying yesterday on Sports Center that it's good for Major League Baseball that Dr. Fauci supports their plan. When Dr. Anthony Fauci comes out and essentially backs the Arizona plan, which would include players going from stadiums to hotels, from hotels to stadiums, it tends to lend some credence to that idea from a scientific perspective. When he says, let's test them once a week, we need more testing for that to happen. We need the players to be on board. We need this whole thing to come together. And it is much more complicated. But having a scientist of his regard on board certainly doesn't hurt. Passing on the MLB season, potentially being played in one place. It's going to get to the point where while more people probably want inside of baseball, the Arizona and Florida plan, because they are more comfortable and familiar with their spring training locations, it makes more sense, I think, pragmatically to look at putting everybody in the same place. Also, as for the NFL, they're proceeding as if the regular season will happen. But Dan Graziano on Center as well yesterday talking about how they are preparing for it to be delayed. Yeah, publicly, the league has said that they're planning for a full season with, in their regular stadiums with fans. And that is, that is the hope at this point. Privately, league officials have discussed possibilities, including do we need to delay the start of the season? Will we need to shorten the season? Will we be able to have fans in the stands? Will we be able to have some fans in the stands? Are there, are there going to be restrictions in place that would allow the league to bring fans in, into, the, into the stadiums, but not as many as usual because they would have to stay a certain distance apart from each other? Those conversations have taken place, but it is a little bit distant for the NFL right now because they've been focused on the draft and they've been focused on getting their offseason up and running. So uh, while they're saying publicly that they still are planning for a full season as they would normally conduct it, they're acknowledging privately that, you know, there may have to be some contingency plans made. And if that's the case, they want to know what it'll look like. Their, their, their schedule would normally have been released around this time in April. They're not releasing the schedule till May 9th. And one of the reasons for that, I'm told, is because they want to be able to build in some flexibility in case they have to change those plans. Yeah, tra- travel plans as well. Well, for everybody, and we'll see what the state of the, the league and the, the country is. When you look at this, the comparison, right? You see the NBA and their regular season put on hold. You see baseball and their spring training put on hold. We still got four and a half months for the NFL. Why are they at a slight advantage right now over these other leagues? Because of that four and a half months, because they have the time, right? And so they'll also have a chance to see what, if anything, the NBA and Major League Baseball and other sports leagues are able to do in, in, in terms of coming back. The NFL may have a chance to learn lessons from those procedures and how they're put into place. So they recognize that. They haven't had to cancel any games yet. They're fortunate in that respect. Obviously, no one knows what the next four months are going to bring, four or five months are going to bring, but... The NFL knows that it will have the advantage of time and being able to see uh, and react to the situations as they ideally improve. College sports in a very unique position as well. We heard the NCAA a grant to Division One schools the opportunity to extend a year of eligibility to people who were in spring sports this past year and had those canceled due to the coronavirus. But that also creates a financial burden for schools in terms of being able to offer financial aid to those students when you have an incoming freshman class. Also, college football being the cash cow uh, of of all the sports that ends up supporting uh, many others is 
the possibility of playing those without fans and having one of your biggest revenue sources is is on everybody's minds. Ryan Day, Ohio State football coach, uh, talking yesterday on a conference call. He said everything is on the table uh, for college football at this point. Until we know our parameters, it's hard to make any decisions. So I love the ideas. I think they're all great conversations because uh, we may need to go into a situation where we have to be creative this year. Moving forward, I mean, that's, that's too far down the road. So I think everything's on the table. And so, yeah, I, I think we've got to listen to all those conversations. And more ideas, the better. A lot of those ideas proposed uh, his way. Well, there was a, a six-week return-to-play idea. The six-week return-to-play is, is definitely uh, something that is a starting point. We go from there, and the medical authorities and those type of people will help us with that exact time frame. And with that, I think you can create models, or whatever those are, whether it's moving the season back or, or whatever. Um, and so I think those are all the things that we're just going to keep diving into week after week. And once we get more information and more uh, brain power together on this thing, then we'll have something we can get behind. One of the possibilities also thrown around was a teams only playing conference games. This was Ryan Day, Ohio State head football coach, on that possibility. Obviously, uh, any football is better than no football. And I think it, it kind of depends on you know how this all shakes out. But you know we're, we'll do whatever we need to do, and, and we'll make it work, whatever they, they tell us the parameters are. And uh, we'll adapt, and we'll play. So we know that uh, with this time, there's a lot of unique situations. So we're... You know, we're, we're okay with adapting. We obviously love to play the, the whole season and expecting to play the whole season, but if that's what happens, then we'll figure it out. Day, though, admitting, though, that how would returning be safe for, not safe for fans, but it would be safe for players and coaches and medical staff personnel? That's a question that they are, are still asking and want to make sure that safety is the number one priority. Paul Feinbaum, I uh, believe this was on SportsCenter, not on his own podcast yesterday, but talking about the possibility of playing college football without any fans. He, for one, is not for it. I don't think it's going to happen. I've spoken to many uh, athletic directors uh, last week. I, sp- I spoke to Jack Schwarberg from Notre Dame. He is against it. Mac Brown told me the other day he is against it. And I think it would, it would make the college experience look so bad that putting players on the field, risking whatever they're going to risk, and, and not letting fans in the stands. I, I think it's a non-starter, and I think if college athletics hopes to, to, to maintain any integrity at all, they will not allow that. Feinbaum also saying he can't see the college football season being delayed, didn't believe that would be viable, but that they'll look into expanding playoffs at this point due to some of this lost revenue. So you could have expanded college football playoffs as a result of all of this. Up next on The Blitz, uh, a couple of big name prospects in this year's draft. I'd say they're about pretty guaranteed to go number one and number two. Joe Burrow, Chase Young, with some amazing comments yesterday. Chase Young on who he most wants to play against, who's, who he most wants to sack. It's next right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. You're listening to The Blitz from the Alaska Airlines Studio. Welcome back to The Blitz at 6. Lydia Cruz alongside with you. In just a minute, I'm going to play you some sound from Michael Jordan. We don't get to hear from him often, but the 10-part docuseries The Last Dance premieres this Sunday on ESPN. 
Uh, it's going to be one for the record books about that incredible Chicago Bulls run. So we'll hear from him. We'll also hear from Shaq, who had some great comments about who would win uh, his prime Lakers or or those prime Bulls. But uh, some sad news yesterday, Los Angeles Rams center Brian Allen tested positive for the coronavirus. A Rams spokesperson confirmed the diagnosis yesterday, adding that Allen felt slight symptoms, but is now feeling much better. That's the good, good part of it. Uh, he's 24 years old and is the first active player in the NFL to publicly acknowledge that he tested positive for the virus. He's prepping for his third season in the league and uh, spending the offseason at the Rams training facility to undergo rehab on a knee injury when he began to feel symptoms about three weeks ago. The Rams training facility was closed for two weeks and cleaned thoroughly, according to the Rams spokesperson players who must undergo rehab returned this week. Uh, so wishing wishing him all the best. The upcoming draft, we are inching ever closer, and a couple of big names were on yesterday, first with Get Up uh, and Chase Young. Uh, he admitted who he wants to play against most and who he would like to sack. I mean, if I get a chance, Lamar Jackson. Did you know he's real fast, real shifty, hard to get down, elite? To my opinion, was the best player in the league, you know, this past season. Um, you know, it's just it's just something that 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 I want to do because um, you know, at quarterback, I feel like he's 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 the one doing it right now in the league. Joe Burrow, another name that is expected to go in the top three, uh, expected to go number one overall. He talked and admitted that he believes the NFL will be a challenge. Confidence has never seemed to be uh, a challenge for Joe, but the fact that he's admitting, yes, he knows this next level will be a challenge uh, is pretty cool. You know, whatever team I go to, it's going to be a challenge to begin, and I'm going to have to you know, persevere through it, and just like I've done in the past. You, know, you might have a really good first year. You might have a really bad first year. You don't really know especially without OTAs this year. and You're going to have less time with your team. So there's going to be ups and downs for sure. You're just going to have to battle through it. Uh, He's expected to go to Cincy. They uh, probably won't trade their pick. Wouldn't imagine they would. There's been some discussion of him not being able to succeed in Cincinnati. Mel Kuyper Jr. for once, though, for one, not uh, not behind that idea. I'm disgusted by it. It makes me sick. And I've been screaming about this for months. I hear this garbage. All, everybody wants to spew about the Bengals, and it's the horrible place to go. It's awful. you got no chance for a quarterback to have success. What are you, dreaming? You want to just throw out inaccurate information? Fine, but it, it makes me sick. <laughs> you tell him, Mel. Uh, in the NFC West, they've been the beneficiaries of a couple of trades with the Houston Texans, with Bill O'Brien, the acting GM slash head coach. Steve Keim yesterday, our Arizona Cardinals GM, uh, talking about what DeAndre Hopkins brings to the Cardinals, because as most ma- national pundits would agree, uh, it just seems like they fleeced uh, the Texans in this deal. And DeAndre Hopkins now coming uh, to the desert. Obviously. DeAndre Hopkins was a guy that we had coveted and, and, and thought was uh, the type of player that could put our offense over the top. And, you know, when you look at the way we're built with, uh, with Fitz and, and Christian Kirk and, 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 and now some of the backs that we have with uh, Kenyon Drake and some of the things he does in space, uh, and now you add DeAndre Hopkins to that mix and, and feel like that, that we can be really, really explosive. Steve Keim also believes that he fits in really well with Cliff Kingsbury and his offense. What did he like about Cliff Kingsbury when making that hire? I was confident, uh, Freddie, that he was a natural uh, offensive play caller. But the, the difference between the good ones and the, and the really, really good ones, to me, is the ability to adapt. 
Um, and, and that's the one thing I think that's is one of Cliff's strengths is he doesn't have an ego. He doesn't act like he has all the answers. Uh, he'll listen to his players, and if Larry Fitzgerald feels that we can do something or if DeAndre Hopkins has his two cents or if Kyler says that he feels comfortable doing this, he'll find a way to make it work around what they're good at and put those guys in a position to succeed and, and, and not have an ego to say that it's my way or the highway, like some coaches I've been around. So he can adapt. Uh, he's instinctive. He's, he's confident in his play calling. And uh, it's been a lot of fun to watch. And it, it, it was a lot of fun to watch, to watch him go through some of the growing pains early. And, and, and the way he used some of his personnel groupings later in the season to, to, again, help us and help us have some more success offensively. Up next on the Blitz, uh, as promised, Michael Jordan speaking on Good Morning America, uh, talking about his final year with the Bulls and what the mentality was like during that. Also, when he went from just Mike to Michael Jordan, it's next on the Blitz right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. From the Alaska Airlines studio, this is The Blitz. Welcome back to The Blitz at 6. Lydia Cruz alongside with you Thursday, April 16th. A lot of athletes getting creative in this time with how to stay in shape. Shed Long being one of those. He joined Danny and Gallant yesterday to chat about that, as well as celebrating Jackie Robinson Day and one of his favorite Jackie stories. What have you been doing to kind of pass the time and try and stay in shape for this upcoming season? Uh, I've just been spending time with my family, you know. Uh, I mean, with the job that we have, uh, you never really get to just sit down and spend a lot of time with your family. You know, even in all season, I'm constantly going and going and going. So, you know, right now I'm really just, you know, taking this time out to be able to spend time with my nieces because they're out of school. So we've got a lot of time to spend together. Um you know, spending time with my family, my, my mom, my dad, my grandmother. So really there's been a lot of time doing that and just, you know, a lot of time just to reflect on myself and just, you know, learn more about myself and learn about the other things in life other than just baseball. Because, I mean, there is just more than baseball. We tend to forget it, but now we, we kind of see it, you know. And so I've just been doing that and, I mean, working out wise, my dad and I will go over to to the baseball field. We have a field here, right across the street from the house, and no one goes to it because it's on the college campus. So, um, I mean, the college is out of school, so no one goes there. So he and I will go to the field and we'll work out and train together. So that's really what I've been doing. We got to meet Big Shed with you in, in in Peoria. That's awesome that your dad's actually been a part of you trying to get your baseball in as we go through this crazy time. Oh, for sure. I mean, he loves it. You know, uh, he played baseball in college, so he loves the game and he knows the game. So, I mean, just being able to spend time with him and get better at the game, you know, it's, it's always great. And, I mean, coming up as a kid, he was the one that taught me everything, so he knows his stuff. What position do you play, Shed? He played right field. Does he have much to chip in yeah. then on your infielding technique? I'm sure he's dad, so he's got to have all sorts of uh, opinions and, and, and tips for you on how to play the position. Of course. You know, he, he chimes in when he sees stuff. And, uh, 
I mean, he pays. He's watched all the videos of Perry, you know, and he pays attention when he comes out during the season and in spring training. He pays a lot of attention to what Perry talks about a lot. So, you know, he he knows a little bit of what Perry wants to be done, and so you know, he watches from that standpoint as well. So, I mean, it's, it's great. We last talked with you. You talked about your approach as a potential leadoff hitter, how you want to be the guy that's able to pick up things from the pitcher right away and and come back into the dugout and tell everybody, hey, this is what this guy's throwing. This is what this guy's leaving as a tell. Have have you been able to maybe better your ability to pick those things up with the way that things are at this point in time? Have you just found yourself watching a lot of film of pitchers? What, What is the way that you get to continue to, I guess, sharpen your mind when it comes to your approach at the plate? Honestly, it's more of learning more about myself, you know, um, just really working and and trying to have goals. You know, there was things that I talked about that we talked about in spring, the hitting guys and I. So, you know, there's stuff that I'm trying to work on in that aspect. And, you know, there's a uh, little drills and, um, like, electronic mechanisms that, you can recognize pitches that helps you get better at recognizing pitches and stuff. So, you know, I look into doing that stuff and all, but I don't really, I'm not really watching a whole lot of film of opposing pitchers right now. You know, I mean, I watch MLB network here now and then. um, And so, you know, there's guys on there and they're talking about different guys and giving a little knowledge about different guys. So I listen to that. And I mean, there's always, you know, clips on social media and stuff. So, you know, I look at that stuff. But like I said, the main thing for me right now is just focusing on myself and trying to get better with myself because at the end of the day, it's all going to be on me, you know. We're talking to Shed Long, uh, Mariners infielder here on the Zeke's Pizza Hotline. Shed, you're involved on something that's really cool, and it'll debut this morning at 11 a.m. Pacific on the Mariners YouTube channel. You as well as Malik Mm -hmm. Smith, D. Gordon, along with former Mariner Harold Reynolds, and Bob Kendrick, who is the president of the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum, which is there in Kansas mm-hmm. City, going to be part of a panel with Dave Sims. It's Jackie Robinson Day. And I wanted just to ask you, kind of what does Jackie Robinson and his legacy, what does it mean to you? Everything. Everything, really. You know, um, I mean, he, he paved the way. If it wasn't for him... Um, I mean, who knows if I would even be in the position that I'm in playing the sport that I'm playing right now, you know. Um, And not just my sport, he's a figure everywhere, worldwide, you know. And I feel like he paved the way for other sports as well, you know. And he didn't just pave the way for just African-Americans. It's the Latin guys, too. He made it possible for them as well, you know, so... He's really everything to the sport and to sports because, I mean, what he done, I mean, unbelievable courage, unbelievable humility, you know, and I mean, I don't know if there's anyone else that could have done what he done. We hear so much about Jackie having broken the color barrier. We don't hear a lot of those stories about the things he was dealing with along the way. What is your favorite Jackie Robinson story shed that maybe the average person hasn't heard? My favorite one. 
I mean, I feel like everyone's heard Jackie Robinson's stories. I mean, if you haven't, then you have to definitely go look into it and just look up his history. Um, but honestly, I think my favorite one is when he's in Branch Rickey's office and they're talking and all of a sudden Branch Rickey just starts like going off on him, you know, yelling at him and just going irate on him. And, um, you know, he, he called him, he called him something that would happen in real life. You know, he, he was trying to prepare him for the world and the way that Jackie took it, I mean, he was just calm about it. So, you know, that was, that was really one of my favorite things to see just because, you know, that was the way that he took it in life. He really handled that situation the way that he was going to handle, that he handled everything else until, you know, they said, okay, Branch let him off the leash, and he really was able to start expressing himself, you know. And, like, in high school, my senior year, I'd done a research paper. My research paper my senior year to graduate was on Jackie Robinson. So, like, I actually learned a lot about him and the stuff that he went through. And so, I mean, it's so many stories that's just amazing to me. But, I mean, for him to just, you know, stay calm and show that in the real world, I mean, it's amazing. That was Shed Long on with Danny and Gallant yesterday uh, talking about celebrating Jackie's legacy. There is video, I believe, of that uh, in the conference or the interview they did uh, with that great panel uh, available for you on MLB.com or Mariners.com as well. Also, this was a cool interview yesterday. Dan Straley, who pitched in the MLB last year but is now pitching in the Korean Baseball League, was on Get Up with Mike Greenberg yesterday and talked a little bit about as they move towards restarting baseball there, what things look like in terms of the procedure that they go through. What sorts of things are you going through in order to play? Yeah, every time we walk into the baseball field, um, we have to pass in front of a, a, a thermometer camera that like, if you're over a certain temperature, the alarm goes off and, and basically everyone in the building is is told to leave and we, we cancel whatever we had practiced or, or scheduled for that day, and and uh, that person goes and gets tested. Um, that's only happened to us once. We had a player come in, and, and he had a 99-degree temperature, and they said that that was enough of a concern to cancel our practice game. And everybody went home, and we kind of were quarantined in our house until he got tested and, and cleared, and, and that he was just a little under the weather. But um, it's that kind of sort of their, they're keeping us under that's hopefully going to allow us to start playing games here in a few weeks. The idea of quarantining away from families is one that has been a cause for concern. How is your league handling that aspect of it? Um, one of the things they're doing right now is our coaches, one of our coaches' families just made it over here, and they had to spend two weeks at home. And during that two weeks at home, it was changed to if you come into the country now, you're two weeks quarantined in a, in a federal hotel and then you have to pass a physical in order to leave. So his family's been here for 13 days, so they get out of quarantine tomorrow. Um, they've just been in his condo. Literally, he drops food off of the front door, knocks on the door. They're not allowed to see each other. They're not allowed to see each other. They're talking person. It's just uh, zero contact at all for those 14 days. Um, so the the idea of the quarantine away from your family is, is, you know, again, it's not something we really signed up for. We thought we were going to bring in our families over here, but it's just something that we're going to have to deal with and kind of figure out on the fly here because that's what it's going to take for us to play a baseball season. Um, the guys on our team, the Korean guys, their families, they're going home each night with their families. Um, but at the same time, 
Um, they're also required to let us know if anyone in their family has a temperature or anyone in their family gets ill in any sort of way. Um, they need to like disclose that pretty quickly to the team. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's pretty close to as normal as you can imagine. Um, you know, five weeks ago it wasn't. Five weeks ago they were completely quarantined, sheltered in place. Um, but now, I mean, like tonight we went out to dinner, so it's just uh, pretty much becoming normal life again as, as we move forward here. So hope there in terms of, of restarting that program, but what will things look like in the U.S. that still remains to be seen up next on The Blitz, as promised. That sound from Michael Jordan on uh, his years in Chicago, his perseverance. Also, some great quotes from Shaq. He admitted he was terrified of Jordan. It's next in the hot list right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. Listening to The Blitz from the Alaska Airlines Studio. It's time for The Hot List. Holy mackerel! The headlines for the day in sports every morning at 6.45. Heck yes! What are we missing here? A full breakdown of the top stories of today on your morning drive. Let's go! Caesar Sportsbook released NFL win totals and playoff odds for all of the NFL's 32 teams yesterday. One of the bigger surprises may have been the Patriots, opening with a win total of 8.5. That's the team's lowest since 2003. Other sportsbooks like MGM, FanDuel, and William Hill have New England's win total at 9. It's as high as 9.5 at DraftKings. The Buffalo Bills have a win total of nine and are currently the favorites to win the AFC East at Caesar Sportsbook. That uh, is a change of tune from the last two decades. Uh, if that held until the start of the regular season, it would be the first time New England wasn't favored to win the division since 2003. As for Brady's new team, farther south, the Tampa Bay Bucks, they opened with a win total of nine. They haven't made the playoffs since 2007, but are favorites to make the postseason. Keeping in mind, though, at, with the new CBA this offseason, the 2020 NFL season, of course, aside from whatever may happen with the coronavirus uh, pandemic here, but as of now, the 2020 NFL season will be the first with 14 total playoff teams, seven from each conference at Wildcard Weekend. Plenty of entertainment. Both Kansas City and Baltimore are favorites, uh, prohibitive favorites to reach the postseason. It's really sad news. Baseball Hall of Famer Roy Halladay, uh, a report from the National Transportation Safety Board was released yesterday. Uh, said that Halliday was doing extreme acrobatics, had high level of amphetamines in his system when he lost control of his small plane, nosedived into the Gulf of Mexico in 2017. Um, that resulted in his death. He had amphetamine levels about 10 times therapeutic levels, according to this report, in his blood, along with a high level of morphine and an antidepressant. That can impair judgment. According to the report, he was performing high-pitched climbs and steep turns, sometimes within five feet of the water surface. Uh, the maneuvers put loads of nearly two times gravity on his small plane. It was an Icon A5, and the report says Halliday, it was just 40 years at the time, died of a blunt force trauma and drowning. The report does not give a final reason for the crash, so this the factual report released yesterday uh, typically precedes the final report by a few weeks. So we could get that in a couple of, of, of weeks. Halliday, an eight-time All-Star, pitched a perfect game, playoff no-hitter in 2010, and was inducted into the Hall of Fame 
last year and uh, his, his wife's speech. Really incredibly moving at that time as well. A huge, uh, huge viewing opportunity this weekend. The Last Dance, the 10-part docuseries premiering on ESPN on Sunday night. Ten parts. We get episodes one and two on Sunday, I believe. Michael Jordan, we hardly ever get to hear from him, but he was on Good Morning America and Golick and Wingo talking uh, about a couple of different subjects. First of all, what it was like to go from just Mike to actually Michael Jordan when that happened. Well, up until that point, no one knew who I was. You know, I was a college kid other than, the, you know, the university. But outside the university, I was just known as Mike Jordan, you know. And when I hit that shot, my whole name became Michael Jordan. And I think it, it, it resonated with a lot of people outside of UNC. So, I mean, and I just started piling on that that name itself from, you know, from the successes that, I endured, you know, throughout the rest of my career. It wasn't about Michael. It wasn't about Mike. It was more about Michael. Yeah. The shot, 1982. Michael Jordan also talking about his perseverance and where that came from. My parents. Uh, you know, my father worked at General Electric for years. He was trying to provide for his family. He moved uh, all over, you know, Southern North Carolina. My mom worked for a bank. She worked for Corning Glass. I mean, they were hardworking people. And they instilled that in not just me, but my brothers and sisters. So, I mean, and I just lived vicariously through them and, and lived and learned it from them. And, you know, it just became a part of my nature, you know. And I always look at a negative and turn it into a positive. You know, fortunately, things like that happens in our life. And as I try to teach my kids, you know, just take that negative, learn from it and turn it into a positive. And that all came from my parents. On Good Morning America, he also was asked, uh, what does he remember about the final year with Chicago? Well, it was a trying year. Uh, we all were trying to enjoy that year, knowing that it was coming to an end. Um, I was hoping that, you know, the beginning of the season, it, it basically started when uh, Jerry Krause told Phil that, you know, he can go 82-0 and 0 and we, we, he would never get the chance to come back. And, you know, knowing that I was... I've married myself to him, you know, obviously. And, and if he wasn't going to be a coach, then, you know, obviously I wasn't going to play. So Phil started off the year by saying this is the last dance. And, and we played it that way, you know. So mentally it just kind of it tugged at you throughout the course of the year, you know, but that this had to come to an end. But it also centered our focus to making sure we end it right. So, I mean, as uh, sad as it sounds at the beginning of the year, we try to rejoice and enjoy the year uh, and, and finish it off the right way. Shaquille O'Neal also speaking about Jordan and admitted that he was terrified of Jordan. I finally revealed that when I first got in the league, I was terrified of Jordan. Because the reason why I was terrified, because as a kid, it was like you're watching a guy. Now you're on the same court with God. And all the stuff that he was doing when I was a kid is true. He can fly. He can bump you in the air, still be in the air when you come down, laying up. He's, he's in perfect condition. His jump shot is crazy. If he steals a ball on the break, all the fans are going to stand up and he's going to dunk it. So everything I was seeing when I was a kid was really true. A lot of guys, I was like, oh, you're not, I saw you on TV, but now that I'm here, you're not really that good. But with him, everything you saw as a kid was true. But, you know, once I got over that, then I started to, you know, play, play uh, a little better, but... That team, the one that went 72 and 10, I knew they was going to win the whole year. <laughs> Shaq also asked the theoretical question, uh, would his prime Lakers beat uh, the prime Bulls? The three-peat Lakers, 
in your primes would have beaten those bulls in their primes. Of course, one yes, easily, yeah. Why? Because I, I would have killed Luke Longley, Bill Winning, Cartwright, <laughs> yeah. So the factor is me and my free throw shoot. So, okay, another question is, our Lakers in their prime and Chicago in their prime, who is Phil Jackson with? Is he with us or is uh, he with them? I think he's with them because he was with them first. Uh, so he would have tried the hacker shack then he would. So the, I, I still would average my 28, 29, but the key would have been the free throws. So, you know, with me, it's always 50, 50. So hopefully it would have been on. If I've been on, we win. If I've been off, we lose. But, you know, I love having these conversations. They would have did this, we would have did that. But I, I could strictly say, I think we would have beat them. Shaq on when he thinks the NBA season will return. I would rather everybody be cautious. And, you know, Adam Silver, uh, he's done a great job. He was he, he was at the forefront of it, saying, you know what, safety of the players, I'm going to cancel this thing. You know, I just wish that uh, we would get a definitive date. I'm hearing 14 days, April 10th, April 30th, May 30th. So, but I, I would I would love everyone to be safe. I just wanted to get back to normal. But I'm a guy that follows rules and regulations. So, you know, I'm just sitting back like every other American, just, you know, waiting and seeing but you know hopefully there's there's a couple young brilliant doctors and scientists that's you know getting getting a hold of this thing and we can make it up uh start to you know get the uh numbers down a little bit espn's brian winhorst uh yesterday talking about the nba's return and the fact that uh chinese basketball season postponed well, that's not a great sign for the NBA. I think, if anything, the struggles that they have had in China to get back to playing in a league where there is no players association to deal with, they can just impose rules on players, is going to be an example about how difficult it is for all sports leagues to overcome the hurdles to create quarantined environments. It is definitely not good news, and I think we can take a step back and focus on our own issues and let the CBA focus on theirs. Brian also saying uh, the difference, what it will be like if sports came back and sports without fans. It seems to me there's a little bit of a disconnect in this country when people think about the return of sports and the return of sports with fans. Those are two separate, not equal, and probably very distant thresholds. And so when you talk to folks who are looking at this and, and examining this, it's it's not in necessarily in arenas. It's not necessarily in stadiums. It's wherever you can do you can go to protect players. More on that in just a moment. Well, Jared Goff is not deterred by roster turnover or coaching changes. Doesn't think they're a, co- a cause for concern. The L.A. Rams quarterback uh, was talking to media yesterday via a Zoom conference, and he'd like everyone, including fans, to just chill out. The Rams hired three new coordinators, released running back Todd Gurley, and traded wide receiver Brandon Cooks recently. But... Jared Goff on this Zoom call told media and fans alike to, quote, just relax. It's going to be just fine. Now, does this remind you and sound like anyone else we know? Five letters here. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. Oh, thanks. Thanks, Aaron Rodgers. So, Jared Goff, Aaron Rodgers 2.0, maybe. The Rams looking to rebound from a 9-7 season that kept them from earning a playoff berth. But remember... Those new playoff uh, rules this year, 14 teams. According to Goff, though, second-year running back Daryl Henderson and longtime backup Malcolm Brown will replace Todd Gurley in his production. Fourth-year receiver Josh Reynolds will take over for Brandon Cooks. Henderson last season rushed for 147 yards on 39 carries. Reynolds caught 21 passes for 326 yards. 
and a touchdown. Also on defense, they lost a couple of key players. They uh, lost outside linebacker Dante Fowler and linebacker Corey Littleton. In free agency, they released outside linebacker Clay Matthews and cornerback Nikel Robbie Coleman in an effort to free up some cap space as well. Uh, Los Angeles Rams center Brian Allen tested positive for the coronavirus. He told Fox Sports yesterday a Rams spokesperson confirmed the diagnosis yesterday as well, adding that Allen felt slight symptoms but is now feeling much better. That's the good news. The 24-year-old is the first active player in the NFL to publicly acknowledge that he tested positive for the virus. So when could the NFL uh, return? I mean, return in terms of could they play a regular season? Dan Graziano on Sports Center yesterday talking about how the NFL is planning for things to to be as planned, although they are prepared for delay. While they're saying publicly that they still are planning for a full season as they would normally conduct it, they're acknowledging privately that, you know, there may have to be some contingency plans made. And if that's the case, they want to know what it'll look like. Their schedule would normally have been released around this time in April. They're not releasing the schedule till May 9th. And one of the reasons for that, I'm told, is because they want to be able to build in some flexibility in case they have to change those plans. Dr. Anthony Fauci, the nation's top infectious disease expert, uh, he spoke yesterday on Snapchat with Peter Hamby as part of a week-long interview series. Uh, One part else will be released today as well as tomorrow. And Fauci talked uh, to him about the fact that there is a way for sports to return. It's just without fans. There's a way of doing that. Nobody comes to the stadium. Put them in big hotels, you know, wherever you want to play. Keep them very well surveilled, namely a a surveillance, but have them tested like every week and make sure they don't wind up infecting each other or their family and just let them play the season out. I mean, people say, well, you know, you, you, you can't play without spectators. Well, I think you probably get enough buy-in from people who are dying to see a baseball game particularly me i'm living in washington we have the world champion washington nationals you know i want to see them play again espn's jeff passan says that uh, dr fauci supporting mlb's plan to return with players in relative isolation playing in one location like arizona or potentially florida is good news for the league that's a wrap for the hot list and the entire blitz at six hour danny and gallant coming your way next right here on 710 espn seattle